If you're enjoying the show and find yourself wanting to discuss with us during the week, hit us up on Twitter. At Gen Orange Radio, we try to tweet a few times per day or at least respond to tweets that mention us. You can also follow at Chase Agovia, Mark's Twitter, for the greatest hot takes. And of course, follow me at Sean Ringrose, even though I may be wrong about roughly 25% of the time. Thanks for listening, and as always, enjoy the rest of the show. Thanks for listening to the audio-only podcast edition of our show. We air live over on Twitch via our Twitch channel every Wednesday, life and work permitting, starting at 7 p.m. Central. If you like what you've heard here so far, follow our Twitch channel at twitch.tv backslash genorange. And while you're over there, why not do us a huge favor and go ahead and drop a sub? If you do catch us during the live show, let us know in the Twitch chat. We love you guys and look forward to chatting with you guys next Wednesday. Now, back to the show. And we are live. What's up, everybody? A uh, little, little bit of a different look today. Uh, Mark is unable to join me this week. Um, you know, sad, sad state of affairs when apparently work is more uh, more important than uh, Generation Orange. You guys are more important to me than work. Uh, I'm just saying. Uh, no, in all seriousness, uh, Mark, have fun at work. Uh, I'm sure you will. Uh, but... Uh, I do get to have the honor and pleasure of having a special guest with me this week to co-host. Uh, introduce yourself, sir. Everybody, I'm sure, knows you, but introduce yourself all the same. <laughs> well, thanks, Sean. My name's Hattie. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, for sure. Uh, Hattie comes to us with uh, a wealth of opinions. I wouldn't necessarily say knowledge. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, wealth of uh, opinions and knowledge to boot uh, about... Uh, Dynamo and Dash, which is a big reason why I'm excited he's here, because it has been a little while since we've talked a little bit of Dash, uh, and uh, believe me, we want to talk some Dash today for sure. Uh, there's some very important things that have taken place. For those that don't know, uh, the Dash did play Tigris just recently, or earlier this week, as a matter of fact, uh, so we'll go over that. Uh, we're going to talk GM candidates. Uh, the Athletic posted an article earlier this week, uh, yesterday, I believe, two days ago. Uh, running through the list of uh, MLS's top domestic GM candidates that are out there, and it's a pretty long list. I think there's about 10 or 12 maybe in there, uh, and we kind of want to break that down just a little bit. Uh, we're also going to run through uh, the kind of changes that were announced. Uh, was it earlier today or yesterday, Hattie, the League's Cup and CCL changes? Yeah, that was just yesterday. That was yesterday. Wow. Man, this whole week is now just starting to kind of blend together. Uh, we're going to hit Texas Derby uh, and uh, – yeah, so uh, real quick, for those that don't know, this is Generation Orange. Even though the title of the stream says Rocket League and Vibing, I can assure you this is not Rocket League and Vibing time. This is Generation Orange live show time. 
which means we're going to talk Dynamo. We're going to talk Dash. We're probably going to talk a little bit of U.S. women's national team. We may even talk a little U.S. men's national team if it comes up. Uh, who knows? Maybe a little uh, English Premier League talk. Uh, you never know what you're going to get with the, with the show. That is for sure. Uh, this week, we're going to be running 7.30 to 9 p.m. Central Time. That may become a more standardized time as we continue to move forward. Uh, still working out the kinks and the details with that, but uh, our uh, wonderful producer and streamer extraordinaire, Nestor, uh, has a job that requires him to drive home from the woodlands in the evenings uh, to basically the, like, West Belt area. No, it's even further than West Belt, uh, off, uh, off the uh, West Park Tollway, like, way down west. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, we, I'm pushing it back 30 minutes to give him a little extra time to get home and get situated. So looking out for our boy Nestor. Uh, but with that said, uh, boy, let's just dive right into it. Uh, I am, I am, I am sitting here looking at this list of, of topics to cover. And I think, you know what, you know, what? we're going to do it. I, I've been debating this and we're going to do it. We're just going to jump right into Let's talk Houston Dash. Let's give them the shine that they deserve right out of the gate. Hattie, I know you're a huge supporter of the Houston Dash. You've attended a number of games this season, a number of matches this season as you've been able to. Uh, and uh, I know you've been in the supporter section uh, over there. I kind of want to get your feedback on what the supporter section is like uh, for Dash matches. Uh, and especially since you've also had a chance to be in the supporter section for Dynamo matches, tell me what the differences are. Uh, and, uh, of course, let's talk that Tigress match uh, this past weekend. Uh, I'm curious to know your thoughts on that. Uh, so let's dive right into it. Houston Dash, tell me, what's the supporters' experience like with the Houston Dash? So I'd have to say the Houston Dash's supporter section, it's really, like, so far it's young, it's tight-knit. Like, if you're a fan and you want to really be involved, you can really, like, have a chance to, like, be a part of creating something new. Like, they're not even 10 years old, and really everything's just there. You can, if you want to create chance, you can do it. If you want to, you know, be the voice that can be heard across the whole stadium, you can do it. It's just, it's pretty great in that sense, because if you want to be that builder, you're there. So, quick want to throw this out there, Hattie, because I know you were a little nervous coming into this. A uh, few, thing, few things to note from the chat. Show is already better without Mark. Thank you, Harry, for that comment. Zero video stutter now. That was a consistent problem with, uh, with Mark. No longer seeming to be a problem. Thank you, Dester. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Jake mentioning how long a drive it is. And uh, I can tell you, Nestor is like, yeah, that's a long drive. Uh, he makes it now every day, so he knows. Uh, but uh, going back to the supporters fan experience, Young, uh, young, and obviously very tuned in. Would you call them the? Uh, would you call them the rabid kind of hardcore? If NWSL has a hardcore fan, uh, you know, like fan uh, dynamic there. Would you call them the rabid hardcore fan dynamic of of the NWSL? Just the general NWSL supporters culture. I think. I'd have to say they're probably one of the more outspoken within the league. Not as higher tier as like a team like portland portland's fans are just something else we get like, we <laughs> oh you can say it on the show it's quite all right yeah. you, can, you, you can use the language yeah no they're just loud out proud and you know they can even throw out smoke and you know and no one really complains so we, we got some effort in a lot of things we need to do in order to like build up but we've i think the dash uh, fans currently are building something for themselves 
so talk to me about uh, BCR and what you know about the Bayou City Republic. Uh, obviously, their uh, leader uh, is uh, Sarah Gilliland. Uh, she's done a fantastic job uh, since day one, um, basically igniting and starting uh, starting the supporters group there. Um, obviously, they started with plastic drum, uh, plastic buckets overturned to, to turn them into drums, and I know they added some actual drums. Uh, I know they've been trying to build out a little more of an instrument uh, kind of presence to add that extra dynamic, that extra feeling. Uh, you know, looking at that, uh, if you take a take a look at it from that perspective of of that perspective of the support and the way that they support, is there anything that you can see that they're lacking? And the reason I'm asking that question is not to put them on the spot, but in turn to put our friends that are watching on the spot. If you have a knack for the thing that he says or the things that he says are lacking, you need to sign up and help out because you know what? The group can't grow if you're not signing up. Go ahead, Hattie. I think that's the very thing. I think people just need to show up, show out. BCR was really, like, welcoming. I This was my first year as a Dash uh, season ticket holder, and so I kind of just walked on in without not really knowing too many people. And so uh, I just kind of, like, followed them on Twitter and just kind of walked on and, like, pretty much more, like, waddled. Didn't really, I was kind of a little nervous, kind of, just kind of like this right now. But, you know, they were super welcoming. And honestly, they'll just hand you an instrument, like, on site. They don't even know you, and they'll give you something to play. And so at the core of the matter of the issue, you just need more, like, of the diehard supporters to come show up and, you know, participate, like, and just help the fan base grow for the Dash. You know, it shows so far, like, there's a lot of, like, you know, it's a big family crowd. But, you know, they're really, like, open to having, like, individuals who are more cruder than most. And honestly, like, we, we were shit-talking the riffs and, like, you know, we can just say what we want and, you know, everyone loves it. And we have nothing stored against it. So, really, just get, show up, you know, help out and, you know, make the noise. That's, I think, the biggest thing that the Dash uh, fans at BCR needs. You, you know, the one thing that always uh, sticks out to me, I think, in a visual perspective, uh, is that huge Texas flag that they have that's in the Dash colors that uh, I've seen Jake wave a few times. I've seen a few other people wave a few different times. Uh, I, I'm I'm curious, uh, from a visual perspective, I'm sure you've had a chance to kind of see things, you know, from the outside perspective as well. When you see that flag, what is that what does that flag say to you as a fan, as a fan of the Dash, and just a fan in general? Oh, man. Jake with that flag is just... It's iconic, isn't point, it? It's iconic. It's legendary. It's like... Yeah, yeah. No matter what you see, it's like him like waving that flag just proudly. It's just... He sets the standard as a, like, as a fan, and like seeing him just like, wave that flag, you just want to like get on that level. just And like you want to find a flag and just wave it just as much or even more. And so... Really, that's just the whole, like, vibes they bring, especially, like, with appearance. I feel like that's something they do a little bit better than uh, the SGs for the Dynamo. Uh, Aside from, like, bringing all the different flags, they find ways to, like, really just color the stadium. Like, they have flags for each player who isn't from, like, like a flag representing each player on the team. Like, whether it's out of the country or some of them, some of them are states. So it's just really, like, they bring... Not just the sound, but like visual, visually, it's just awesome. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I asked you the question earlier, kind of point, pointedly to our people watching and people listening later on. 
uh, about, hey, you know, it's not just enough to talk about the Dash. You know, we got to show up when we can as well and support the Dash that way. You know, get involved, especially if you want to see the Dash grow, especially if you want to see the Dash support grow. Those things are required. So I'm going to ask you this question because Sarah's not here to ask this question to, and Jake and chat can chime in if he needs to as well. If someone's interested in joining BCR after they've heard all the really cool stuff that, you know, that we were just talking about, uh, and they're interested in, in helping support the Dash and helping support BCR, uh, how do they get involved and how do they do that? Where do they go? Honestly, it's pretty simple. Like, whenever I first came to the game, I just saw Jake's flag and, you know, it's it's hard to miss. It really is. And so you just kind of walk up to them and just say, hey, what's up? And honestly, they'll bring you in. And for me, I just kind of say, hey, what kind of wanted to join, you know, the supporters group? And Instantly, I just got, like, you know, a BCR uh, wristband, and, you know, they just kind of, like, let me in and into the whole idea of how everything works. It's just come on, knock on, knock in, and say hi, and you're in. It's really – there's not much you need to do. Yeah, Jake echoes pretty much the same sentiment. Uh, reach out to Sarah on game day and just join us. Yeah, I mean, that's the big thing. You know, I've, I've, haven't been able to make it to any dash matches this season. Uh, it's just been working. Life is crazy. Uh, but – uh, I will tell you, that's not true, Jake. Don't lie. I'm just kidding. No, they don't bite and they don't fight. Uh, that should be a chant. We don't bite, we don't fight. Uh, it rhymes, it works. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, there, if there's anything I could say about BCR, if there's anything I could say about Sarah, say about Jake, say about Hattie, say about anybody that's involved with Amela as well, of course, uh, and the other, uh, the other individuals that are involved with BCR, they're all very welcoming. Uh, I know Sarah can at times have a bit of, especially in game day mode where she's just so focused that she's kind of got that, like, uh, I'm going to call it the bit of a gruff personality, like, you know, kind of external reflection. Uh, but I can tell you that she's still approachable. And if you do approach her and just say hi uh, and do me a favor, tell her that you heard about them from us. That would be really cool, actually. Uh, she might, like, crack a smile. Uh but, uh, you know, just approach them. It, do it doesn't have to be Sarah. It can be Jake. If you see Jake waving that huge flag and you're like, dude, I want to go hang out with that guy. Trust me, Jake's open to hanging out with anybody. Mahalo. Um, but, uh, yeah, go find Jake. You know, he's hard to miss at this point because he's iconic with that flag. So go find the flag. Go stand. Go chant. Go cheer. Go yell and scream your head off. Uh, just hang out in the section and have fun. Um, trust me when I say this, the more that we as fans of the Dynamo, of the Dash, of the Houston Dynamo FC Club, uh, Houston Soccer in general, the more that we can support uh, support the club, which means supporting both the Dynamo and the Dash. It's not enough to just support the Dynamo. We also need to support the Dash and support them as much as we can. Um, and, and, and truthfully, they probably need it more than the Dynamo. Uh, the Dynamo are not necessarily going anywhere. The Dash probably aren't either. Uh, but trust me, it goes a long way for the players to see uh, to see that supporter section beginning to fill up and more and more people coming out and supporting them. And it means a lot to them personally. Uh, and, and it does the same in the Dynamo to some extent. But, you know, there's a lot more supporters with the Dynamo because EB is such a huge presence on the Dynamo side, uh, whereas that is not there with the uh, Dash side. So, you know, if you show up and, and you want to have your presence really felt and really known, trust me, 137, 138 on game day, dash day, uh, trust me, you go. Uh, and you will not be the same for it in a very positive way. For sure. Everyone over there on the dash side would just love it. You know, the, at the end of games, they usually interact with fans more than the Dino has ever done. 
And so really the more that more people that come out, the, the louder we are, they'll feel it, they'll love it, and honestly, they'll probably reflect on the pitch as well. And look behind uh, Sean's head, you'll see both crests, you know, one club mentality. Right. That's right. I uh, I got that from the uh, season ticket holder uh uh, from the season ticket holder package. Um, and, uh, believe me, that has been up on my wall every show since. Um, and I am a true believer. Anybody who watches the show, anybody who's listened to the show knows I'm a true believer in one club mentality. I think it's important. Uh, I think the more that we can embrace that, the better it is for everybody, not just the dash side, but also the dynamo side as well. Uh, and, and, and trust me, um, you know, everything that, that we can do to support the dash does make a difference. Uh, and uh, so let's talk their match uh, from this weekend. Tigres versus Houston Dash here in Houston at BBVA, soon to be, I guess, PNC Stadium. Not that it changes much for me anyways. It's still the same stadium. Uh, just different name. Um, Lee, is your reaction? Is, is there anything from that match that shocked you to see? Uh, are any highlights that you feel are important for anybody who missed that match to know about? Uh, things like that. Seriously, I mean, Dash popped off. 5-1 was the end of, end of the day. And we saw two players, uh, Makame Gomer-Stevens and Riva Sali, score their first goals for the dash. And so really, just watching them play, it's like they decided to come alive, and I, hopefully this is the statement that they're setting for the, rest of the, for the rest of the season. It's just they completed their passes, made unbelievable crosses, connections, and it's just... it's. Like along with the Dynamo, when they just in their recent run of things, they're just it was just an impressive like throw and blow up. And so I would highly recommend anyone who just rewatch the highlights, or if you, if you can rewatch the game, just do it. It's just one of the best dash games I've seen in a long time. Yeah, and it wasn't just uh you know it wasn't just one player. It was it was just about every player playing absolutely up to the uh you know to the level of the game, so to speak, and the level of the match. Uh, and it was really nice to see. It was really good to see. Uh, and I think it highlights how good this team can be. Not that we didn't know that Challenge Cup winners last year, just saying. Uh, but at the same time, it, it's a good reminder of that. And it's good to see it uh, and to know that, yeah, when this team is clicking on all cylinders and it doesn't necessarily matter who's available, or who's not available. But when this team is absolutely clicking on all cylinders, they are hard to stop. Yeah, for sure, especially with uh, Rachel Daly. Uh, and Jane Campbell and Christy Mewis and Abby Dahlkemper all out. We still showed up, like both on attack, defense, and Lindsey Harris really was doing, just doing a great job in goalkeeping. So they really all showed up against, especially a team that won the Mexican uh, Liga uh, MX Cup. Feminine, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, the Feminine Cup, yeah. Uh, and it's interesting to me because with those players out, your top, you know, five or six players on the team, although Shea Groom would probably have a little bit of edge if I said that, you know, she heard it, uh, among other players that would have the same thing. But to your point, Lindsay Harris, when she started earlier in the season when Jane Campbell was off at uh, Olympics, Olympic qualifiers, I don't remember where it was. Uh, when Jane, got- Yeah, thank you. Uh, yes, that. Uh, when she was out for that, Lindsay Harris stepped up huge and stepped up in a big way. And so it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, but at the same time, it shows that when Jane is ready to move to that, you know, move on, whether it's, you know, whether it's, you know, to another team or overseas or whatever, when she's ready for that move, we are in very good hands and we are in, in capable hands. 
And I'm almost like at that point where I want to see Lindsay Harris get more opportunities even when Jane is back. And here's why, because eventually Jane is going to move on and you want that player to be ready to step into that role full time. Uh, and the other nice thing is we don't have to worry about Lindsay Harris getting a call up right now. We do kind of have to worry about that with Jane Campbell. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it, just at times, you know, when you lose like such uh, essential players, you kind of feel like you want to sweat. But then just the way that Hoopla, also uh, Lindsay Harris's name, just shows up, you know, brings the energy and plus the distribution. It's just like, yeah, like you want someone like that to be competing with uh, Jane Campbell. All right. Well, we've 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 talked Houston Dash, uh, and we've talked a lot Houston Dash. Um, obviously, playoffs are, are coming up, right? If I'm not mistaken, end of the season is like here, right around the corner. I've lost track of where we are in the season, but it's not far off. I know that. Yeah. Uh, no, and then, go ahead. Yeah, it's it's close. It's really like the last uh, string of games. I think our last home game for the Dash will be uh, mid October or. Uh, third week of October, so it's our chances to get in. We are now. We have to start capitalizing now. The next string of games. Absolutely. To Jake's point, uh, the Dash are currently one slot out of postseason contention. Uh, they need to. Uh, they need to win at least the next couple, uh, if not, you know, just win out. Win out, and you're in. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I don't care who you're. Who you know, who's above you in the table. If you win out, you're definitely going into playoffs. Um, with that being said, though, all right, Dash. We're moving on to Dynamo. We're moving on to uh, to 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 League Cup and and CCL. But first, Dynamo. Let's talk about the Texas Derby. What an absolute match! Uh, the Dynamo have proven once again at home that they are more than capable of finding the win and doing it in convincing fashion. With that being said. They obviously surrendered two goals, the second goal coming a lot later than I would have liked, uh, and further to the point, offering opportunities to to uh, FC Dallas right in front of goal a couple of times late, late, late in the match. Uh, also, can we get new refs for the Dynamo as well as the Dash? Because seven minutes of stoppage time in the first half and what ultimately ended up being about nine and a half, ten minutes in the second half. Look, I realize Lundy, Lundy went down with his uh, dislocated knee. I realize we had other little you know things going on. Uh, at various point, multiple, you know, pauses for very short video reviews, uh, all of these different things going on, uh, a, a penalty obviously uh, awarded to uh, Tim Parker uh, for being taken down in the box uh, and all that went along with that. Uh, but even still, I mean, it was no, it was they had the nine minute clock on the screen and it ended up being more than nine minutes in the second half. Unless you're talking the first half, yeah, it ended up more than seven minutes in the first half, too. Um, but either way, it's still a crap ton of additional time and on a on a match that comes the third match in seven days that is a eight days that is a huge ask of your team of your players because that's not just 90 minutes now we're talking more than 100 minutes of soccer being played in a single match within a you know within a 180 minute period basically uh, let me get your thoughts on on the refs. Do you feel like, other than the stoppage time, do you feel like they were fair, or do you feel like even like they were unfair and then the stoppage time only made it worse? John, I thought they were absolute trash. Just absolute trash. Like, they're just a bunch of missed calls here and there, and plus, I thought there were a few dirty hits from some uh, FC Frisco players coming in, and especially in that last bit to Michael Nelson with that nosebleed. You know, it, it's just... 
what were they doing? I felt like I was watching the game and they were just off watching something on Netflix. You know, it's interesting. I was going to say, it's interesting real quick. It's interesting because if you watch most other MLS matches, especially derbies, the number one thing that happens in a derby is the refs will protect the goalkeepers. That didn't happen in this match. They were more than happy to let uh, to let Michael Nelson get barreled over, uh, get kicked in the face with a cleat, and not even award a foul, let alone a, a yellow card. Uh, and, I mean, it was at a pivotal point in the match where it definitely should have at least been a card. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to chime in, but, you know, adding to what you're saying continue go ahead continue yeah it's just watching that game it's just i understand derby games are games you want to be dramatic you want you know players to keep moving on but at the same time there's got to be a level of like protection to certain player just players in general and like you gotta you know let it go on but there was also a few times where you know where fouls weren't after they were called even though you know, I felt like at times the Dynamo had the advantage and could have kept moving, but they just kind of called it, whistled it, and, you know, just let everyone from Frisco just climb back into their half. And so I thought that was really just disadvantageous to us. And so, I mean, I'm not trying to say that we could have scored a fourth or a fifth, but there was just some bad calls here and there that really just kind of contributed to the way the rest of the game unfolded. Yeah, absolutely. I do agree with you. And I'm normally not one who does specifically target the refs, especially in a win, uh, because, hey, you came away with the win. We came away with the PK when it mattered, uh, you know, all of that. But at the same time, there were definitely many, many moments throughout that match where you had to sit there as a fan of the Dynamo. And I know that Frisco fans felt the same way, where there were just calls that didn't make sense or calls that weren't just flat out weren't called. And it was there were repeated incidents, especially in the first half, where a Frisco player, and they showed it on replay in slow motion, actually stomped on our players, like, flat out on his foot, on his ankle. Uh, and the ref called the foul, but he didn't even give a card for it. Uh, and I'm like, hey, that's at least got to be a VAR review for this, right? And I don't even think they reviewed it. So another instance where, you know, hey, I, I don't like to throw things on the ref, but, you know, at the same time, this is one of those situations where, yeah, we did win. But clearly, if that type of officiating is going to continue through the rest of the season, it makes it monumentally harder for us to climb that mountain to get back into playoff positioning. Yeah, even with that, it's just we're going to see a few more players just probably end up on the bench due to injury. You know, studs out with no card. Come on, guys. Yeah, it, it's a shame. Uh, but with that being said, let's talk about somebody who, uh, from from the player perspective right now, is... Absolutely in fuego, uh, in Fafa Pico. Uh, now, with that being said, I want to add a caveat to this that Fafa Pico has elevated his game because he now has Darwin Quintero to set him up, to pass him those balls through and over and around and put him into prime positions to be able to either get the assist to uh, Griffin Dorsey or to get the goal himself. Uh, you know, all of these things make a big difference. I've talked to Mark about it a few times previously on the show that, look, when you have somebody like Darwin Quintero that can pull players and defenders away from guys like Fafa and Griffin Dorsey, what happens is when those player defenders are pulled away or pulled more central, you have more room to work with as a Fafa or a Griffin uh, Dorsey, which means you can run at defenders. You can play different balls. You have different options that you can do. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Quintero obviously elevates the play of everybody around him, but specifically we are seeing the play of Fafa Pico elevated to a whole nother level that, that I know at least Mark Segovia was not expecting. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm like Mark. I'm going to show Fafa lots of love. I think he's just one of our best players on the pitch, not just in the recent uh, run of matches, but I just think he's been pretty great throughout this entire season. Uh, he's kind of been the one guy who's been, you know, bringing the ball into you know the final third, especially into the box. And sure, especially during that 16 uh, unfortunate week period where we didn't win any uh, or didn't didn't win any games, like he was the one who's kind of like bringing making the most amount of plays and bringing the most amount of like action there. And especially now, and Darwin Quintero was just I can't tell you the last time I saw a through ball that led to goal. Uh, before him it's been a long time it was probably actually the last time you saw it was probably from darwin quintero before like in last season to be honest yeah uh oh go ahead it's just seeing him on the pitch and just like bringing it full spirit honestly when he ran into the stand after uh he scored his penalty i thought that was just that made it that made my day and for those that don't know, he wasn't just running into the stand to celebrate in the stands. He was running to his family. So, you know, hey, say what you will, but that was absolutely warranted. I had no problem with it. He obviously didn't get a, a, a fine or anything from Disco, nothing like that. So all credit to him. And I think it was, you know, I think it was valuable for him and valuable for his family. And uh, look, I, I don't know about you, but uh, if there's one player that I absolutely want to see in orange in 2022, it's Darwin Quintero at this point. I know he's a high salary player. But when he's on the pitch, this team is just completely different. Now, with that said, obviously it's going to depend on who we bring in as GM. We'll get to that in a minute. But before we get to that, another player who's, st- who's stepped up is Griffin Dorsey, a player that nobody expected, obviously, at the beginning of the season because he wasn't even on the roster at the beginning of the season, uh, who has now stepped up, a player that we thought Pasher was going to end up being that player, uh, who's unfortunately gone down with injuries and not been available for very long stretches of time. Uh, we brought in Corey Baird, thought he might be that guy, and then he got injured. Uh, and so Griffin Dorsey stepping into that opening, uh, that opportunity, and taking it. And I think the last two matches, last three matches, he has shown full force why he deserves to stay in that position for right now. Yeah, Griffin Dorsey was exactly the type of person I thought Corey Baird was going to be. It's just like how he showed up, especially in the Austin game and in the Texas Derby. It's just... He really kind of like brought the heat, like brought the trouble. Just came in fast, especially within. What was it in the uh, Austin game when he came in with the uh, fifty-eight second goal? It's just he was like he is something that's going on in that locker room for both him and Fafa, and then many others just coming in with like the best like form of their lives. And it really, it's just that kind of like determination is just what we as Dynamo fans want to see happen and hoping to see throughout the rest of the this uh season yeah a- absolutely and and uh jake brings up in the uh in the chat as well about michael nelson our goalkeeper changes have been good for us as well uh, i agree i you know look I, it's not a knock on merits necessarily i thought he you know played as well as he really could have with the exception of a few opportunities where he just didn't get the ball or whatever but at the same time M- michael nelson has also stepped up into that role uh, and he's laying a claim to becoming the permanent starting goalkeeper looking at 2022. And again, you know, 2022 is not that far away. We're already at near the end of September looking into October. Uh, and uh, we know middle of October, end of October, somewhere right around there is where uh, playoffs will basically begin. So uh, much like with the dash, we are in that home stretch. And it is absolutely important and absolutely vital to this team to get points where they can. And if you're going to get points, especially on the road, but if you're going to get points, you need your goalkeeper to step up and make saves at very big times. 
And so far, Michael Nelson has found a way to do that. And he had a couple of major saves in that Frisco match and a couple in the match against Austin that were just crystal clear to me, this guy needs to start, this guy needs to continue getting minutes because the more time that he gets, the more minutes he gets, the more opportunities he gets, the better he's going to get. And the better he gets, the better for us because that's a, that's a guy you can keep around long-term for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I do want to show marriage some love. I think it's just the, with the fact that we went through as long as we did with the m- amount of losses. It's just that kind of like hurts you on a sure. of mental level. So I can see why he wasn't performing to the best of his ability. Like with a lot, there's more weighing on him than just like the gloves. But, yeah, a- know, absolutely. Yeah, and see, well, well, at this point, you have to have that competition between. Uh, Nelson and marriage to be the number one because at the end of the day you need the person who will give you that clean sheet who will give you those saves who will save your game and give you those three points. Yeah, and and again, it's not to discount uh, marriage at all. Uh, you know, I think my biggest thing w- and the reason why I would like to see Michael Nelson become that permanent starter is he doesn't take up an international roster slot, which unfortunately marriage does right now. And your goalkeeper is that one position where you really feel like do I really need to take up an international roster slot or is that a position that I could afford to go with a domestic guy? I don't know, Michael Nelson uh, and, you know, and still get the same amount of, uh, you know, the same output, if you will, the same, you know, same value for my money. Uh, and I can guarantee you Michael Nelson's contract is a whole lot smaller uh, than Marco marriages, but uh, enough about that. Uh, it's about time. I've been timing this specifically. It is time to talk a little bit leagues cup and CCL. Uh, Tell me your thoughts, because you, like, this was the one thing you wanted to talk about coming onto the show. You even, like, called it out to me, like, hey, are we talking about this? And I'm like, yeah, of course we're talking about it. So tell me your thoughts. I can't tell you how I'm excited about this. With the new League's Cup and the expansion of the CCL, I think it's going to be big for the MLS. I think it's going to be a big game changer. And honestly, I think it's going to force a lot of clubs to realize that, okay, we need to start investing into our club as much as, uh, someone like Seattle, like especially with this uh, new leagues cup that's bringing in every team between like, the MLS and Liga MX. That like you have to like be prepared, or else you're just gonna get yourself drowned out like five zero and be outshunned by uh, fans, like, especially like fans from Mexico. They're like all those teams, they have diehard supporters that'll travel everywhere and they also have many fans within the US. And so if you don't want to be, you know, that club that has who becomes the home stadium for uh the away fans, you gotta have to start investing. And that's gonna be a big part part of how this League's Cup is gonna play out. And plus uh everything about the style, especially having it like everything like league play stopped and then having just a March Madness meets World Cup style tournament. I think it's just gonna be a great chance for fans to like come out, and you're gonna see a lot of like teams. You know, it, you're gonna have some Cinderella stories. And this is gonna be a chance for like teams like I want to say the Dynamo, like to face some uh, Liga MX clubs and win, and then get that confidence and move, find their way up and improve. And so to me, that's just kind of like a big portion of why I think this is a big move in the right direction for our league for our team and just the first step in the right direction and making something like our league similar to what you have in leagues in europe yeah i'm uh i am very excited 
uh, I think to see uh, to see something like this uh, take shape. Uh, I think this is probably what has been rumored to be that whole merger between MLS and Liga MX. Uh, you know, it's basically the North American Cup. It includes uh, teams from Liga MX. It'll include all teams from Liga MX. It'll include all teams from MLS. It will also include teams from USL Championship. It will include teams from the Canadian Premier <laughs> Canadian Premier League. I can speak. Huh. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, it's a huge opportunity. It is like a bolstered version of the U.S. Open Cup, which, by the way, will still take place. But my favorite thing about this is that they're taking a month off league play, all three leagues, there are all four leagues technically are taking a month off in the middle of summer and like towards the end of summer, I guess, uh, in order to give room for this tournament specifically. And that to me speaks so highly. Yes, it's a cash grab. Yes, they're out here trying to make money on it. And they're going to make money hand over fist. There's no doubt about it. But at the same time, it's a great example of something I've always preached, which is the open cup is so much of a slug of a slug fest because you have teams that are playing short weeks those same weeks that they're playing their matches uh, in the Open Cup. Uh, and so doing this for this type of tournament, it helps elevate the prestige because you know the best players will be available unless they're injured. The best players are going to be able to be rested for this type of tournament. And the best part is this gives you an opportunity to play your youth in very meaningful games, especially early in the competition. And then much like teams in the Champions League or much like teams in the UEFA competitions, uh, do overseas, you have a chance to play your youth early and then play your senior team late and still get your club that silverware. And it's going to be prestigious silverware. It's not just going to be, I don't know, a League's Cup thing that nobody cares about. This League's Cup is actually going to be something very valuable to have uh, as that it will grant you, if I'm not mistaken, it grants you a, a, grant you a, a birth into, uh, what is it, the... I the read CCL, it. yeah. The birth into CCL. Thank you. So that's huge, right? Because if you can sustain for one month time at the, <coughs> excuse me, at the end of summer, if you can put all the pieces together for that, don't even worry about your, your season, but you can put all the pieces together for that, much like we did in the Open Cup in 2017. If you can do that uh, and come away with the win and beat the Liga MX teams, beat the Canadian Premiership teams, beat the other MLS and USL uh, championship teams then you get the automatic birth into the CCL. You know, how we know how huge that is. We know how huge that was for the Dynamo. Just imagine that being the case with a, like, competent GM that's able to actually find talent to use that additional money on. And trust me, there will be money available for teams that do succeed at this in large quantities because even a birth into CCL is worth, like, a, it's a cool two hundred fifty five hundred thousand something like that. That goes straight to your budget. That is additional money you can spend on a DP, additional money you can spend on TAM players or other you know salaried, uh, salaried players. Uh, so there's huge opportunity here. The one thing, of course, is we have to wait until 2023 for the start of this tournament. But that's okay. I'm okay waiting a year and a half, or uh, what is it, two years. Uh, because, frankly, I know that it'll probably take us that long to get the rebuild fully going and fully, uh, fully moving forward. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm so glad you brought that up to me, and I'm so glad that we're having a chance to talk about it. So let me let me ask this question: If you had to pick your top three, four, five teams that you want to face in this competition in 2023, I want at least one League MX team. I want at least two or three MLS teams and one USL Championship team. If you want to throw a Canadian Premiership team out there, go for it. Uh, but uh, at least at least the league MX team and some MLS and USL championship teams. Yeah, I definitely want to 
have the Dynamo test their metal, especially after two years of rebuilding against either a mid-side uh, League of Max team, just to show how we stand. I mean, there's a, it's a good way to gauge yourself and a good way to grow. And uh, I do want to see some more league play with uh, some of the teams in the Eastern Conference and obviously some USL teams that do come up and, you know, that are able to at least hold their own be a good way just to, you know, fight some of the underdogs and, you know, keep yourselves humble. Are there any so, teams in particular that you want to face off against? Honestly, if we could just have uh, expand the uh, Texas rivalry, see uh, uh, the El Paso locomotive. You know, oh, I hadn't really even considered well. that. They've been doing really well in the USL. Uh, they, it looks like they're about to win the uh, La Copa Tejas for their division. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, you have San Antonio FC from the USL Championship as well. Um, that would be very interesting uh, to because, uh, uh, man, oh, there's a lot of former Dynamo players that have gone that direction as well. So uh, and I've traveled to the San Antonio FC Stadium. I can tell you it's a nice, nice stadium, relatively speaking. Uh, and, you, you know, your seats are fairly close to the pitch. So uh, and that would be one. that's like a three hour drive. It's not even that far. Um, so, you know, that's an opportunity right there for a easy road trip. That would be absolutely a blast. Um, uh, what about Liga MX? Are there any Liga MX teams? I saw somebody say Club America, uh, Club America, if you want. Uh, any Liga MX teams that you want to see uh, the Dynamo face off against? A Pumas, a Pachuca, Toluca, yeah, Tijuana. So, uh, my first Dynamo game coming back uh, was back during Wilmer's era. Uh, during that uh, phase of the League's Cup was Dynamo versus uh, Club America. I mean, I don't want to come out of the gate playing, you know, one of the all-time greats of Liga MX. I would like to see us more play uh, teams like Pachua or uh, over in Tijuana and, you know, build our way up. Or if you want to, like, take on some teams like Lyon, you know, they've been doing really well uh, so far in, what, the current League's Cup or the uh, club, uh, the CCL. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, just kind of build our way up, kind of like, I mean, at the end of the day, do you do you really want to just go out and fight Chivas or Club America? I mean, I I get it; it'd be entertaining, but for a team like ours, I want to see ourselves like build up, you know, fight our way through, and kind of like earn the respect that we deserve. I, I would I, so me personally, and this is just me personally. I would love another shot at Tigres right now, uh, not right now, but in two years. I think in two years we'll have a, a team that'll be one that'll be really interesting to watch up against a team like Tigres. Uh, and Tigres have such strong traveling support that, boy, that would be... I mean, our stadium was full, and 90% of it was Tigres fans. Uh, but, <coughs> excuse me, uh, any other... You said Eastern Conference. Any specific teams in the Eastern Conference of MLS that you you would like to see us face uh, in the in the League's Cup in 2023? Yeah, personally, um, for me, this is no reason other than just, like, past experience. Uh, I want to see us play the Revolution. <clears throat> I mean, my first Dynamo game ever when I was a little kid back in 2012 was the uh, New England Revolution, and it was just a fun game to be at. We won, and you know, it was back during that era. But see, I want us to see, I want us to play them, and just you know, take cracks at like some of the current greats over there. Like, see how far uh, Philadelphia has gone with the Union, and just you know, really test our metal against them because we've kind kind of gone back and forth. Uh, some of the greats here in the Western Conference, especially with the Galaxy. I mean, everyone kind of, like, holds them high, especially with their history, but, you know, they haven't been able to beat us in the last, what, four games, five games? So, I mean, I kind of want to, like, expand our 
horizons and go after like some of these better teams on the east that everyone likes to talk about uh, yeah give me an nycfc matchup uh give me a uh, miami or orlando uh yeah they're all great teams but uh i do you know i, I support my dynamo i believe that we can beat them especially where we're playing right now uh all right so enough of uh enough of that uh the one topic that i know everybody's been really truly waiting for uh, and we're going to extend this topic. It's going to be a long discussion, so get ready, Hattie. Uh, yep. that's, your, that's, your, that's your heads up. Uh, I want to talk GM candidates, domestic GM candidates for MLS, uh, and specifically for the Dynamo. Uh, the Athletic posted an article yesterday on the 21st. Uh, if you need the link, I'm sure uh, we can post it somewhere. Uh, maybe I can post it in chat. I don't know. We'll see here in a minute. But uh, I'm going to run through the names real quick, and I'm going to tell you where they're from, and then we'll we'll discuss them each individually. So they're, they've got Chris Albright listed at the top of the list, and this list is in no particular order. Chris Albright is the current currently the Philadelphia Union technical director. Uh, and uh, then there's Todd Donovan. People remember that name, I'm sure, from his former player days. Uh, he is currently the Sacramento Republic general manager and president. Um, and uh, then there's Ned Grabavoy, who's currently the Portland Timbers technical director. I'm going to shy away from him in this discussion only because he just signed this year a extension, uh, an extension with Portland Timbers uh, for another couple of years, two, three years, something like that. Uh, so it would be surprised me to see him leave Portland Timbers. Um, there's Will Kuntz uh, from Los Angeles FC. He's their assistant general manager, not high on my list, not somebody I'm anticipating. Uh, there's Chris Litch uh, from um, San Jose Earthquakes. He's their current uh, technical director. Uh, and he's an interesting one just because of his amount of MLS experience. We'll get to that in a minute. Ali Mackey from Nashville SC. He's their assistant general manager. I've got some thoughts on him that uh, make him one of the guys that I would dark horse candidate type of guy. Uh, Amos McGee from Minnesota United. He's their director of player personnel. Pat Onstad, one of my favorites, Columbus Crew technical director and vice president of their soccer operations up there with Columbus Crew. Uh, Issa Tall from Columbus Crew as well. He's their director of player personnel. Uh, you have Craig Weibel, who, of course, I'm also high on Seattle Sounders, current sporting director uh, under um, uh, Garth Lagerway, uh, and a guy that, you know, obviously played for the Dynamo, much like Pat Onstad. Uh, they also brought up Brian Bliss, who's the director of player personnel for Sporting Kansas City. Uh, and they also brought up Lino DiQuillo uh, from, uh, he's actually nowhere right now. He was uh, in the league office doing various roles there uh, as uh, basically, the uh, the dealing with roster and budget guidelines, managing transfers and approve, approving contracts, and then other stuff along that lines. Uh, and then he left in the league at twenty in twenty twenty after his most recent uh, role, which was senior vice president of competition and player relations. Uh, and the reason he's even on this list is because he has spoken with multiple MLS teams already uh, about potential uh, GM uh, positions. Uh, so he is someone that teams have looked at, so it wouldn't surprise me to potentially see him land somewhere. Uh, with that being said, I'm going to throw the two names out there that obviously stick out to me the most, and they're the ones we've continued to talk about, Pat Onstad and Craig Weibel. Uh, and I want to just read a couple of the thoughts from the Pat Onstad section and a couple of thoughts from the Craig Weibel section when I find them. There we go. Pat uh, Onstad has five, uh, four years of uh, MLS front office experience. Uh, he is considered to be... Uh, he is considered to be a top talent evaluator with deeper insight into navigating MLS's rules. Uh, he's been, he was in the front office when Columbus Crew won uh, the 2020 MLS Cup. Um, uh, he has a good relationship with Issa Tall, again, who has uh, seven years of experience himself. 
uh, in MLS front office, uh, and he has helped bring uh, assistant GM Corey Ray uh, into the fold in order to help the the development of youth. Um, Onstead also has the longest track record of success in Columbus, which makes him, of course, among the most attractive GM candidates in the league. Uh, he's got multiple MLS Cups, obviously to his name as a player and now as a front office personnel. Uh, he's helped build the crew into what they've become. Uh, and he obviously has an a, a, a sheer amount of MLS understanding um, and, and, and really uh, in navigating kind of that salary cap, salary budget, the complexity of the league rules and roster rules. Uh, in player acquisition rules, the different you know budget types that there are, different roster types that there are, or roster slot types that there are, DPs, TAM, GAM. Uh, you know, obviously you've got your homegrowns, you've got your you know bottom of the roster, middle of the roster, top of the roster, USL slots, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on and on and on. But Pat Onstad, you know, clearly he's a guy that uh, has MLS experience in front office, which is my number one thing that I want. Number two, he's been successful in that time. And number three, he's already known as a guy who uh, is able to help build that development pathway, which is something we really desperately need to figure out with the Houston Dynamo. Give me your thoughts on Pat Onstad. Uh, and is there any other candidate besides Pat Onstad or even Craig Weibel, for that matter, uh, that you are most high on? And then we'll kind of talk through these other guys as well, just so that people know the names in case they come up again. Especially for me, uh, aside from Onstad Weibel, for me it's Chris uh, Chris Albright. You know, after just hearing his name and seeing him on the uh, his experience, he's had over seven years within as a first as an assistant technical director and then act, as the actual technical director for the Philadelphia uh, Union. And within their years, they kind of found their way to uh, running high through the. Uh, U.S. Open Cup, and then finding, finally winning the Supporters Shield in 2020. I think that kind of, for me, what I want to see is the history of success, and in, the, in that case, recent success. So to me, that's why Onstad and Albright kind of like really just scream yes to me. Weibel, I think, is a pretty good option, especially what he's done at RSL. Um, I would like to see someone who's actually built more and actually won something. So to me, that history of winning is really important. Yeah, if I remember correctly, Chris Albright is currently linked, I think, with the uh, RSL job. That may not be right. They might be looking at Dugan, um, if I'm if RSL is maybe looking at Dugan right now. Um, either way, Chris Albright would be a heck of an acquire um, just because he's got so much experience, uh, you know, just in MLS front offices, but he has so much successful experiences and much like Onstad, he's also known for being able to develop, build, and solidify that pipeline and the transition point between Youth Academy to USL and then to MLS. And it's been clear. You look at the, the way that Philadelphia Union are currently putting out prospects after prospect after prospect that are playing incredibly well defensively, midfield, forwards, name it. They're all there, every position. Uh, and we know we have a group of kids in our academy right now u15s uh, you you i won't even say down to like the u10s u12s right now u15s u17s you know and and obviously the u23 team uh there's plenty of talent plenty of players that are capable 
Uh, we just need somebody who can help build out the pieces and, and you know put the pieces in place to create that pipeline, to create that transition point, to you know help ease that transition. And, and I brought it up the last show uh, that uh, the Dynamo hired a guy uh, specifically for that role, uh, Tom Vigil, I believe his name is, uh, in order to to uh, help bridge that gap between the youth academy and then into professional soccer. Uh, and his that's like literally his whole role. Uh, and so, you know, somebody who can help that from a general manager perspective, from a president, of, you know, vice president of soccer operations, technical director, whatever you want to call them, whatever their position, official title is, doesn't matter. Somebody who's in charge of the business and soccer operations side of it, um, because Tab needs somebody to help him out. If Tab is the one to stick around as coach, again, a GM coming in, they're likely going to get to pick who their coach is. Uh, and frankly, if it's, you know, again, if it's a Pat Onstad coming in, a, uh, a Chris Albright, uh, a Craig Weibel, uh, I would even go so far as to say, um, oh, where is he at? Uh, Chris Letch uh, from San Jose Earthquakes, another guy who if he were to come in, I would be OK with. I, I trust him, uh, you know, to, to be able to find a, a decent coach, although hopefully not Matthias Almeida. We won't go there. Uh, but, uh, you know, there are other names on this list that just are kind of interesting names but they're names that i don't think i'd be as comfortable with as the kind of top three or four that we've listed uh you know a guy that that sticks out that would be would be one that would be kind of a dark horse i mentioned he would be a dark horse but also somebody that i wouldn't surprise me necessarily ali Mackey from nashville sc he's got three years of experience with mls front offices he's done a you know pretty solid job with nashville all things considered uh and he's a guy who understands the business side of mls you know way better than the player side necessarily and he's the type of uh, the type of general manager that you can bring in to pair with a guy like a tab ramos or another coach who understands the technical side understands the player personnel side understands how to work with the players understands how to deal with you know that side of things and and somebody who who uh somebody who is okay with giving up relinquishing scouting duties to let other people scout on his behalf uh, and frankly, we need that. I'm tired of having the same guy scouting for our team. Thankfully, he's no longer with us. Uh, but, you know, I feel like we need somebody to come in who's a true scout, somebody who is an actual scout uh, to, to come in and, and help us scout talent that other teams aren't already scouting. I'm tired of being linked to the same guys that other teams are already scouting and have usually already passed on. Uh, look, I don't need a guy that Barcelona gave up on. Uh, no offense. Uh, I'd much rather a guy that, you know, a, a guy that's starting to come up on the upswing instead of a guy that's kind of on the downward trend. Uh, Tomas Martinez comes to mind, a guy that definitely was not a huge prospect when we got him. Yeah, no, I was, for a second I was looking at up uh, Mackie from Nashville and a little uh, sidebar, but it looks like uh, I didn't know that the Wolf family owned them and Orlando. I thought that was a yes, little fun fact. Yes, yes, they are. Well, no. The Wolf family sold Orlando. They don't own Orlando anymore. Orlando are now owned by the Minnesota Vikings uh, owner. So, not a, not a, not an issue anymore. Oh, okay, so my bad then. Uh, but yeah, no. Seeing how Nashville's kind of like popped up in the last uh, two years, already making playoffs uh, last year, and then currently second place in, in the Eastern Conference. Yep. Yeah, uh, that's. Again, for me, results are what matter. It's seeing that kind of like improvements, especially coming up from the you know from starting off as a new MLS club. I mean, I don't think you'll ever have something like the Dynamo winning back-to-back seasons. But you know what they're doing is pretty 
good, especially with what we've seen in the last few years for new expansion clubs. And the thing I like about Mackey, uh, and again, I'm not leaning Mackey. This is just I'm bringing it up because I think it's important. Is uh, he was a player agent, so this you know he understands, like I said, the business side better than probably anybody else on this list. Uh, but he was a player agent for the, uh, a, a, a agency group um, that includes clients like Gareth Bale, Serginho Dest, and Jack Grealish. Uh, and and I you know look, I'm not expecting to get a Jack Grealish or or even a Gareth Bale for that matter, but. Serginho Dest. I mean, there are uh, there are names within their client base that absolutely would be networked immediately and linked immediately with a club like the Dynamo that are going to have, I think by my count, something like 15 to 17 roster slots available because there's that many expiring contracts in the offseason. Uh, I mean, it's just a sheer exodus of players this offseason. Uh, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 expiring contracts in December of this offseason. Uh, I mean, that's a lot of players uh, to, you know, to have to consider. And it's good, you know, uh, if I'm a potential candidate, a potential GM, and I'm looking at the situations that are out there, the Dynamo have the best situation for a GM to come in and make his mark immediately because when you have that many players on expiring contracts, your budget is basically going to be nearly empty, like are nearly available, to, like completely available to you. You're going to have all the budget space to work with. All of your DP slots, I believe, are nearly open. You're going to have the opportunity to get rid of the heavy international slot usage on your goalkeeper. You're going to have a bunch of other international slots that are going to open up. Uh, you're going to be able to pick your players that you want, and you're going to have the, supposedly according to Ted Seagal, you're going to have the resources, he keeps saying resources, not money, resources to be able to find the players and pay the players that we want to bring in, the players at that top talent level of what we expect coming into MLS. Uh, and, and, you know, players like a Diego Rossi, players like a Carlos Vela, uh, God, I can't even say those words just came out of my mouth. Players like a Chicharito, uh, you know, players like a, a, a Nico Ladero, players like a Diego Valeri. Hopefully not the current Diego Valeri. He's like 39. I don't need that guy. He's too old now. Uh, but, you know, a, a younger version of those players, I think, is absolutely feasible, especially when you're turning over that many players potentially. Uh, it's also possible that a GM comes in and they see a lot of these players and they go, yeah, I like a few of these players. I'm going to sign a few, re-sign a few of them to contracts. But there's a large number of them that, frankly, I could see us part with. And in 2022, we're going to have a almost a brand new roster. I mean, that's nearly as exciting as it can get for a fan of the Dynamo. We've struggled as much as we have this season. We're starting to look good. There are obviously bright spots on the roster. But at the same time, there's definitely even better days ahead. Sure. Yeah. When you, when you told me that it was that many players who are currently about to have their contracts expire, I, I didn't believe. I really didn't. I just I went and counted. Know. That's why I counted. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, it's insane. Like we... Yeah. So I'm going to run through the list real quick, Hattie, just real quick. Marco Marich, Michael Nelson, obviously two goalkeepers. Alejandro uh, Fuenmayor, no doubt he's gone. Minor Figueroa, if he's back, it's a miracle. Sam Junqua, I, oh, I love him. I don't know if he's talent enough to keep around Matthias Vera I he's shown plenty of this season I wouldn't hate keeping him around Darwin Seren see you later buddy Boniac Garcia I don't need you anymore no offense player coach maybe if you want to be uh Ian Hoffman I, I haven't seen enough of him to really give any take either way Juan Castilla homegrown player 
I haven't seen any of him, obviously. Nuka Lemoyne, same type of thing. Haven't seen nearly enough of him to make a determination on. Memo Rodriguez, I mean, I'd be perfectly fine if another MLS team wants him. I'm kind of done with him other than a super sub role. Fafa Pico, he's shown an awful lot. I'm not sure, you know, kind of thing. It depends on the new GM coming in. Ariel Lassiter, I'm not sold. I haven't seen, you know, what I've seen, I've not been impressed with this season in particular. He came out on fire last season. This season hasn't shown it to me. Griffin Dorsey, he's shown me a lot recently, but there's so much that I feel that he's lacking uh, in just in terms of pace that we really want at that position. Uh, Again, that could change with a different GM. You never know. Uh, Maxi Arudi, he's shown me a lot. I love what he brings. I love his fire. I love his passion. I love his play style, uh, especially in in Tab's formation and Tab's system. But if I'm looking at that player for next season, I don't know if that's a player that I want in that position next season. I want somebody else. Uh, Tyler Pasher, I love him, but God, I hate his injury, cap- you know, like his capability to just get injured at a moment's notice. I need a guy that I can rely on, a guy that I know is going to be able to start. Tyler Pasher's injury, you know, injury issues is the number one reason why he's not been an MLS force for any team uh, and why more MLS teams have not taken a look at him prior to us signing him out of USL. I hear you there. Um, but for me, I would love to keep Tyler Pasher. Just it, to me, I just see it as an unlucky season for him. And sure, there's the past, but he hasn't really like popped up as he has before. And his call up to the Canadian national team just shows how much, uh, how much of an impression he's made. And so I think given him like, I would sign him for another two years minimum. If that, it's really up to the new GM. But I would love to see some more, more from him and see if he can just keep it up. Maxi Ruidi, I, I also liked it. I mean, for the longest time, he was our lead goal scorer, and it wasn't just because. You know, there wasn't a lot happening, but, you know, he went. he's the type of guy who'll run in, you know, try to find the goal and steal it and put it right in, the back, right in the back of the net. So I could see him coming back. Same with Dorsey. And there's just a lot of people on this list that uh, there's some of them I would like to see gone, like Seren and uh, Mayor, But there's also a few others, like the home, some of the homegrown players and Nico Lemoyne, I just haven't seen enough of. I don't really know how to, how to gauge them. So I can definitely see maybe a few of them can go on loan, or I really like. I can really see Marcelo Palomino coming back and just you know popping off. I would love to see him back. Oh, this this is a pretty big list, and whoever is our GM, this is their chance to make the mark to change like the history of the Dynamo. And really, if they if you have someone like Weibel or Onstad, this is their chance to bring back the winning ways of the Houston Dynamo. Really, kind of bring back. That kind of like legend that kind of like narrative the glory days if if you will yeah yeah uh so real quick let's shift gears uh let's talk the match coming up on uh, saturday uh that is houston versus minnesota in minnesota uh i have it on good word currently and this may change stay tuned for changes uh the surge will be meeting up at pitch 25 for uh, a way watch party so if you're looking for a place to go hang out uh, for a way watch party on a Saturday evening. There's no Astros game that day at home. Uh, so come hang out and, uh, yeah, say hi to Sergio, Jeff, and uh, the rest of the crew over there with the Surge. Sure, they'd love to have you. Uh, oh, yeah, and it's Pitch 25, so you know it's got great beer, great food, uh, and great friends, which what more can you ask for for a Saturday night? Uh, oh, and Dynamo Soccer. Yeah, that too. that's kind of important. <laughs> Big one, yeah. Uh, let me get your thoughts on this matchup coming up. Uh, obviously, with Minnesota, you're looking at guys like uh, 
uh, Lode and uh, Fragapone and uh, Reynosa, who's not, not been much of anything this season, when he, except for the few times he's played, uh, and just all the other players that they have on that squad. Uh, is there any one player from Minnesota that you can think of that you most single out that the Dynamo need to kind of uh, mark closely or prevent getting the ball or prevent having open looks at goal? Well, I haven't looked at the most recent injury report, seeing that the last time we played them, they was just, they just... Uh, yeah, they had, had like so 13 injured. players total active, I believe. Yeah. And they had just, just signed Fernando Adi that like afternoon so he was very readily available for them they still beat us by the way just yeah reminder that hurts so much so so much they have scored two goals against us in both prior matches by the way both here in houston and on the road uh man that's uh that's a number yeah that really kind of brought some sad boy vibes right now i'm not trying to bring the sad boy vibes i'm just trying to like keep it real for for our listeners uh, chat, is there anybody for Minnesota United that you feel that the uh, Dynamo need to be like really keyed on in particular? Uh, I still know Minnesota have a number of uh, a number of players that potentially may be uh, injured as well um, uh, still. So it'll be interesting to see who who they end up actually starting uh, um, because there's there's still going to be at least a few injuries that they're they're dealing with uh, at this point. Yeah, I mean somehow we've always. In the most recent run of games, we've kind of made whoever starts like at the number nine spot for uh, Minnesota just seem like okay, he's like the next big thing, and so you really just gotta have to clamp down, especially on the front three. And I mean, if if you want to call it, I mean, it is the Dylan Wal- uh, Walpers Derby, so it's a derby. So you gotta you know show up, show out, and hopefully our recent run of games can finally put an end to this uh, Minnesota like run at us, and so. I think if we can just hold down uh, the front three and uh, part of the midfield, I'd say there's center midfield, I think we can win this. I think we actually can take it to them and keep putting three points on the table for us. Yeah, and uh, of note, Reynoso is back. Uh, he made his return actually Saturday against uh, LA Galaxy uh, in the Minnesota United 3-0 drubbing of LA Galaxy at uh, Alliance Field. Uh, up there, so uh, important to definitely mark uh, Reynoso. Uh, Ethan Finley obviously is going to be a guy worth uh, uh, worth making sure he doesn't kind of you know he's a slippery guy, uh, especially up up top on the wing, uh, and he seems to just find ways to get out there. I mentioned load, of course. You want to make sure that you, especially in center field, center of the field, that you're not giving him room to hit guys, uh, you know, out wide or up top. Uh, but man, uh, you know, just looking at the way that they've been playing. Um, you know, obviously to get a 3-0 drubbing of LA Galaxy, LA Galaxy this season, not one of the best teams, obviously in the West, but still a good team all the same. Uh, you have to, you have to be aware of what Minnesota can do. Uh, and especially with Reynoso back, that's a, that's a different team with Reynoso back. That's a, that's a guy who can score, uh, and score readily. Uh, and that is something that Minnesota have missed with him out for sure. Even with Fernando Adi coming in to, to kind of help supplement that a little bit. Yeah, and even if uh, you want to look at Minnesota United as just uh, like the last place uh, within the playoff spots, they're still a playoff like winning team. And if they could do something like the way like a three nil win against LA Galaxy, who's currently in fourth place, we got to be ready. We really have to like set up and just come in with game day mentality like three days before we even fly into Minnesota. 
Yeah, so uh, the question came into chat. When was the last time the Dynamo had a road win? Uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, that was last year. I don't think we've won one on the road this season so far. Uh, I'm checking to tell you for sure the answer to that. Uh, let's see. Uh, da, 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 there we go. I mean, I'm pretty sure of that because we've only got five wins in the season to begin with. So Yeah, that's uh, done right now. Yeah. Uh, team stats. That's what I'm looking for. By the way, whoscored.com, a great place to get your team statistics, your player statistics, all the ins and outs of different games. It's a great place for that sort of thing. Sort of thing. Uh, oh, man, I should have just stuck on the away on that thing. Uh, okay, it doesn't tell me. That's helpful. Yeah. Oh, well. We just know it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a long, it's been long enough that we can't remember. That, that should speak enough, you know, for, for what the deal is, I think, there. Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> Obviously, Minnesota is one of those teams that they love to hit you on the counter more so than hit you uh, and hold possession. They're not necessarily a possession-based team. Uh, and, you know, the humor behind that is so are we. Uh, we much prefer hitting you on the counter. Uh, we prefer that high pressure, that high line, getting you to make the mistake uh, and then capitalizing on that mistake. Uh, and so... You know, you look at the way the two teams kind of shape up with that in mind. It is going to be a very tough match in Minnesota uh, for the Dynamo. But right now with the way that they're playing with, with Darwin Quintero, here's the kicker, Darwin Quintero going back to Minnesota, it is his chance to play against his former team, a team that he felt gave up on him. Hear me when I say this. This is big for Darwin Quintero, which usually is going to mean big for... Uh, big for our team. Uh, you've got a lot of players that are going to be extra amped for this matchup. Yeah, we haven't beat them at all this season. We haven't even drawn with them. We did draw early with them in the season, but um, we haven't beaten them this season. We haven't won. Getting to do it in their home, especially since they're also in a playoff push, that would be huge, and it would be very important uh, for our chances at even making the playoffs right now. We've got to start winning, and we've got to win consistently over the next month and a half our month uh and so you know we've got four or five games left something like that we've got to win basically out at this point if we want a shot at uh, playoffs yeah for sure uh, to answer your previous question our last road win was when we played sporting kc at uh kansas city when we won 5-2 yeah last big uh away game but moving on yeah i think Quintero has a lot to prove he knows that he wants to show like he wants to show everyone who's doubted him especially prior to his recent run of games. You know, a lot of people were talking about, I remember mid-season, they said, sell him off, you know, he's hot, he's not playing, he, and he, what's his worth? So at the end of the day, I think he's going to come in and he's going to want to you know, either give himself a goal or just have, rain down assists. And I think uh, if he doesn't walk away with a 2-0 win, I think he's going to be disappointed. Yeah, I, I agree. I uh, I think he probably wants the same type of start we had against uh, Frisco here at home. Uh, high pressure, cr you know, forcing them to create the turnover, forcing the opportunity in front of goal, get the ball out wide, let Fafa or Griffin Dorsey, who you almost have to believe are going to start again, uh, let them get on it and, and hope they can lash it into the back of the net. Uh, you know, look, if we can get an early lead on Minnesota, that changes the dynamic of this match tremendously. With that said... The one thing we can't do on the road is step onto, you know, uh, st step off the front foot. 
we can't afford to step off the pedal. We've got to continue the pressure. We've got to continue the pace. Um, and I'm not one for doing that for a full 90, but we have to do it consistently over the 90, which means that, yeah, you can rest for a minute, two minutes here and there, but you need to get back to it. You can't let yourself lull for too much because your body starts to not shut down, but starts to go into kind of wind down mode, cool down mode. Uh, and you start to come off that kind of high peak. So you need that high peak and then you need to kind of sustain it with small bumps here and there. Uh, and the low, the low points are just to let your body kind of recover for a minute before you get right back to it. Uh, and that's what's been successful. I mean, that's what's worked for us the last, uh, the last three matches, uh, the last two home matches, of course. Uh, and the real question I guess I'm going to have is, does Tab trot out again the 4-1-3-2? Yeah, 4-1-3-2. No. Four. Hold on. I can count. 4-2-3-1. That's what we're playing with. Four two three one, where he's got the two defensive mids. He's got kind of a central mid in terms of Darwin Quintero pushed up the pitch. You've got two uh, two wide midfielders in Griffin Dorsey and uh, uh, and Fafa Pico who are pushing up higher, but they start kind of at midfield. Uh, and then you've obviously got Maxi Rudy at the top or Corey Baird coming in uh, at the top of that of that spear, so to speak. Um, Dynamo Insider, real quick, before we continue with the conversation, we have to beat them because we let them come into our house without key players with a roster of 14 players, and we lost. Yeah, we were just talking about that. <clears throat> it was, you know, it, it was dis, disheartening to watch us go out there against a team literally coming in with only two subs, or only one sub other than a goalkeeper on their bench in Fernando Adi, and still they came away with the 2-0 win. Um, I mean, that was disheartening, and it was at a point when we needed to go ahead and pull the win because we were struggling so much throughout the rest of that season before that point. Um, you know, we had such a long winless streak going into that match. Uh, so at that point, I mean, you, that would have changed, obviously, the outlook of a lot of things. But this is an opportunity to right the wrong, to right the ship, uh, and get things continued in the right direction. Uh, and again, I believe it's going to fall to the feet of Darwin Quintero to be that guy. Um now, uh, enough on the Minnesota United. I want to come back to the GM talk, and, and I want to talk about this real quick. Is there any one position, Hattie, that you feel is quintessential to Dynamo's success moving forward with our new GM? And we know we're going to have a new GM. It's just a matter of who. I think it, it kind of dwells down to this. If we decide to keep Contero, that's fine. But the two like quintessential positions for us are getting, like, I feel like we should definitely get like a striker that you know is going to be here to stay that's going to be prolific and having a uh attacking midfielder who's going to be there to help him get those goals and so really it's just if any team that has like these two positions like locked and loaded i think they're going to have a pretty great season i mean we already went to heaven and back just trying to really tighten up our defense especially since we just got teenage uh, then Parker, and if we want to like focus on getting uh, another left back or right back, that's also pretty big. But ultimately, it goes back to getting that offense that can really just make it click. Yeah, I I think I agree with you. You know, you look at the teams that are successful; they have an attacking midfielder, a central, usually a central attacking midfielder, and a striker, and they're usually paired very well: a Diego Rossi and a Carlos Vela, um, you know, Ola Kamara uh, and. Um, I can't think of DC's attacking midfielder. Uh, just completely blank, but I know who he is. Um, 
I mean, there's plenty of examples of that. It's not just them, but those are the ones that came up to mind immediately. Um, but there are plenty of examples of successful pairings of that. And, and that is, I think, absolutely essential uh, to any team who's looking to rebuild, especially a team that has struggled this season uh, to consistently score goals, consistently, um, you know, maintain leads. You have to have guys in particular in those positions that are also possession oriented guys. Uh, I think we have a lot of counterattack guys, which is fine. The problem with counterattack guys, though, is they have one mode, and that's just always 100%, 100% of the time. They're always going. They have high motors, right? That's the thing we hear. They have high motors. They're, they're just go, go, go. The problem with that is those guys wear down. Those guys have a higher tendency to get injured more often. Uh, you know, those guys pick up those muscle injuries more often. They overstretch for balls because they just don't know any other way to play. Um, you know, and we've seen, you know, Fafa pick up knocks here and there. We've seen Corey Baird pick up injuries. We've seen, um, you know, even Maxi Rudy came up with a, a, you know, a little bit of a hamstring at one point. Um, you know, we've seen Tyler Pasher obviously out wide. Uh, you know, there's plenty of examples uh, across our team. Uh, but the other thing is a possession oriented team, even if you don't play possession the entire time, a possession oriented team allows your defenders and allows your defensive mids and your center mids to kind of have a chance to breathe with this counterattack style. It feels like they're having to push so high up that they then have to ca cover back and counter back almost uh, immediately. And so they're constantly, you know, constantly running hard and constantly in that full full on mode as well. Uh, and that's just strenuous uh, on any center back. Uh, thankfully, we have two fairly athletic center backs in Tim Parker and uh, Teenage Hadebi, Hadebi that are able to handle it. Uh, but that is a tough ask of defenders to to do that on a consistent basis. And we've seen it late in matches where guys like Zarek Valentin on, out, out on the right uh, or even Adam Lundqvist or Sam Junqua, you see them get tired by the 70th, 75th minute and tracking back. They're not nearly as fast at recovery. Uh, and, you know, and it just makes a world of difference when you have guys that are a little bit fresher, a little bit more, uh, you know, a little bit, uh, a little bit more, uh, a little bit less exhausted, uh, that are able to, to kind of hit those recovery runs. Yeah. To touch on more on that, like we need guys who aren't playing like box to box for 90 minutes. I think that's what's hurt us in the past. We need to, it's just one of those cases where you got to play smarter and you got to know when to like go back when to like move fast and when to uh really put the pressure on and especially seeing that in the off season it, we, it really depends on who we keep i mean if we decide to keep uh pasher and many of our uh, wingers like dorsey and we still have baird as well and having uh that adept midfield to be able to distribute the ball from there to these attacking players will definitely help us get more goals uh next season yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. I, you know, <clears throat> uh, I, all of that is to really say that, uh, you know, obviously with Ted Seagal coming in as owner, he's already, in my opinion, he's made good strides. He's he's talked the talk for sure. This offseason will be his chance to really walk the walk, bring in the right guy at general manager, let the general manager make the decision on coach, bring in a good coach if Tab is not the guy. Oh, man, I'm just that's amazing to me to even think about, really, honestly. Uh, and, and then bring in the players to, to supplement that. Uh, and, and it's a chance for Ted Segal to, to show that he understands, but also that he is truly going to back up what he said about providing the resources necessary to not only be competitive, but be successful. Look, we are technically a competitive team, right? We're competing week in, week out. We are not a successful team, and we haven't been a successful team under Gabriel Brenner's 
tenure uh, as majority owner. Uh, Ted Sakal obviously comes in. He has and is bringing an opportunity for us to greatly improve. Uh, and along with it, he clearly has a line that he considers to be a, a step too far for his front office personnel. And he made the decision. He made the decision. Don't let it. Don't let it get mixed up. Ted Segal made the decision to get rid of Matt Jordan. He understood that what Matt Jordan was providing to the team was not enough to keep Matt Jordan around any longer. That the time that we had with Matt Jordan was sufficient to make an educated guess as to what was going to happen if we continued with Matt Jordan at the helm of as general manager and vice president of soccer operations. With that being said, there are plenty of candidates. We've already talked about a few of them. There are plenty of candidates that have the pedigree in MLS, have the pedigree as former players or former agents or former front office personnel in the league to make an immediate impact and in a very positive way. Pat Onstad was able to do that with Columbus Crew. Craig Weibel was able to do that with RSL. And now Craig Weibel has moved on to Seattle. These are two, in my opinion, of the top candidates for, uh, for Dynamo GM. It would not surprise me to see Pat Onstad be that guy. And I would be perfectly okay with that. You should be too perfect, perfect person in terms of both personality, public persona, because he was a former Dynamo player. He knows what's going to be required of him in terms of in front of and in the public eye uh, and talking to fans and being in front of fans and not shying away like I don't know Matt Jordan liked to do. Uh, and then also, we've seen recently, and this is something Ted Segal has brought about just by the sheer nature of getting rid of Matt Jordan. The moment the announcement came out that Matt Jordan was axed and was gone, former players came out in droves on Twitter and social media to reinforce their support of the Dynamo. We hadn't seen a whole lot of them discussing Dynamo other than their frustrations. This was really the first time I'd seen them be this positive, and a lot of them were supporting one another. And to me, if that is the case and you want to get back in the good graces of your former fans, the previous fans that were in love with these players, you bring back a guy like a Pat Onstad or a Craig Weibel who holds legendary status within this club because of their time uh, their time with the club during the MLS Cup runs. And believe me, that will help you win some of the fans back. With that being said, to answer Jake's question real quick, I'm a no on Brian Ching because when he was given the opportunity with the Houston Dash, he didn't do hardly anything of value. And frankly, I've heard bad stories, uh, nothing negative in terms of like things that he shouldn't be doing, just that he was not very good at his job and he didn't know what he was doing, um, which I suppose that's a pretty big negative. Uh, but with that being said, uh, either way, at the end of the day, we're at that point with Matt Jordan now gone. Ted Segal has his chance to prove that he can truly hold it down for H-Town. Have a good one, guys. Thanks for joining us. Hopefully, Nestor's watching the show right now. He is not because he didn't mute us. So.
Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. We want to take a moment to share some really cool news. We've been selected as one of the top 10 Houston Dynamo podcasts by Feedspot. It is an absolutely incredible honor, so make sure to check out the full list over at https colon backslash backslash blog.feedspot.com backslash Houston underscore Dynamo underscore podcasts. Thanks again, Feedspot, and thank you guys for listening and tuning in. Now, here's your show. You know, guys, we are very fortunate to have many good friends in the soccer community. But the one we are most grateful for is Jen Cooper, a.k.a. Keeper Notes. Jen is an absolute gold mine of wisdom, experience, and advice. And Mix Zone, that's Mix Zone with two X's, is one of the best women's soccer podcasts running today. Check the podcast out at https colon backslash backslash bgn.fm backslash category backslash podcasts backslash the hyphen mixed with two X's hyphen zone or just check out the Keeper Notes Twitter at Keeper Notes. Hey, thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Sean Ringrose from Gen Orange here. I wanted to take a quick moment to thank Feedspot for including Generation Orange in their top 15 U.S. Women's National Team podcasts list, which you can find at https colon backslash backslash blog.feedspot.com backslash USWNT underscore podcasts, or just check out the link in the show notes. This is a huge honor for us, and we hope you'll take a few moments to support Feedspot and us by navigating to their list. Hey, enjoy the rest of the show. Well, guys, that is it for this week's audio-only podcast episode, which has been uploaded to Anchor.fm. Special thanks to our producer and streamer boy, Nestor Luna, for helping take care of the technical details each week for our show. We look forward to talking with you again real soon. Hold it down, Houston. <laughs>